For you guys that don't know, Chet has two lists. He got them mixed up. He has the list that these are the approved speakers that we can have come in and substitute. The other list, this is the list of never have them sing in front of church. <laughs> you blew it. You missed it. But you mixed it up. So I'm driving to Sacramento. He caught me off guard. Said, Randy, can you talk on Sunday? I said, well, I can talk any day you want. So I asked him. I go, I can talk for two minutes, 20 minutes, two days, two weeks, two months, how much you want. So he says I have a half hour. So if I go past a half hour and you guys start walking out on me, I won't take offense because every other week I teach in here to teenagers. And, you know, it's kind of how it goes with teenagers. So with that in mind, I, I move around a lot, got a lot to share, so bear with me. Romans 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God's been sending beautiful feet to me all my life. And as I glance backwards and lean forward in life, I can see where God's hand has been there. And I love sharing my personal testimony because it's not me, it's Him. So I grew up in Fox and Canyon. How many of you guys know where Fox and Canyon is? 2,400 acres. This was my grandfather's brand. My great-grandfather came here from the Swiss-Italian border, and he started milking cows in Cayucas and saved up money and brought family members over here and finally saved up money and bought a ranch in Gaviota, and that's where they ran a dairy. And then my grandfather bought the ranch in Fox and Canyon, and, but this is his brand. I loved my grandfather, and the fact that it doesn't escape me that I'm a grandfather today kind of blows me away, but I digress. When I was eight years old, we were in Santa Barbara. My dad was on the, uh, one, of the, one of these court things, and it was summertime, and we got the call that my grandfather, taking cattle to the marketplace, pulled over in Elisa Canyon Road, turned off the truck, and died with his boots on, as a cowboy should. That was my grandpa. Loved my grandpa. I have to tell you, though, all I remember is my dad driving 100 miles an hour over San Marcos Pass thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> well, I didn't die at that point in time. But I have something to share with you that didn't have an impact on me at the time. But the first set of beautiful feet was given to me in a card, and I'd like to read it for you. Dear Randy, just a short note to let you know how sorry I was to read that your grandfather had passed away. It goes on and shares a beautiful story, and it ends this way. 
May God bless you and your family and your sorrows. Lovingly, Mrs. Rhodes. Margaret Rhodes. My second grade school teacher. Roberta Huff's mom. Grace Baptist Church. I'm raised by atheists. And this second grade school teacher who I practiced my first set of cuss words on, <laughs> where I had to write sentences a hundred times, I will not cuss out my school teacher. Yes, I have a granddaughter sitting up front who's going to hear stories that are going to need some explanation. But I want, you, I want you guys to know that my grandpa died, but the death of my grandpa affected my life in three different ways. It cast me into Jesus' arms. It cast me into a career where I help people avoid losing their ranches and their businesses. And it put me straight in the arms of the future Mrs. Georgie. Amen. Amen. But the first set of footprints was Mrs. Rhodes. So in second grade, I ran into this kid, and he was kind of a nutsy kid. His name was Paul Nelson. I called him Paul, Paul the Preacher. Some of you guys remember Paul Nelson? Yeah, I grew up with Paul. And so, okay, I took seven years of piano lessons from Patty Boyd. Just regard that I don't play piano now, okay? <laughs> but I remember my atheist mom saying, you really need to be just like Paul Nelson. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Paul Nelson invites me to this event at Grace Baptist Church, and he called it Awana. And I said, okay, so this is in the early 70s. And I'm thinking, well, what do you do there? And Paul was already a preacher. He was always a salesman. He said, oh, we play games. <laughs> so as a kid, I go to Grace Baptist Church, following the beautiful feet of Paul Nelson. And lo and behold, these people are memorizing scripture. How stupid can you get? to memorize scriptures. Where are the games? <sighs> At that point in time, I thought Awana was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I can imagine God having a belly laugh, saying, ha, 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 that's where you're going to be. But I want to talk to you about beautiful feet, you that minister to and mentor and reach out and share the gospel. And I want to share this plaque right here. This plaque is from the early 70s at this church for the Iwana program about who was the Iwana Kid of the Year. And I want to share something with you that's really important for you that work with our youth because you will not know who you're going to minister to. Because on this chart was preacher Paul Nelson who became a preacher even though he went to med school and figured he was going to be a doctor, God dragged him, and now he's a preacher, and he still is a preacher. On this same list is a guy by the name of Larry Acosta. Larry Acosta 
is a missionary who grew up a couple of blocks from our old campus at Grace Baptist Church, and he heard those games going on, and he kind of stuck his head in there, and now he has a nationwide outreach to the Hispanic communities across the country. Also on this list is a murderer. See, you don't know. Yeah, same chart, same plaque. What was really weird is that when the murder happened, I happened to be the commander of Juana. My wife was the Sparky director when the families were doing custody battles with that Sparky kid. Funny how God uses things and ties them together, but I'm telling you, the beautiful feat of Grace Baptist Church even outreached to a murderer they didn't know at the time. Obviously, my name is not on this chart because I only went to Awana once because I thought Awana was stupid. <laughs> but Paul the preacher man, Nelson, was not done with me yet. He talked about this place where there's all this snow. And I'm seventh grade, and I've never been to snow. And Paul Nelson, the awesome salesman he was, went into, told me about this place called Hume Lake. And at Hume Lake, it's just, we have lots of fun. We play games. You think I would have learned from the first time that Paul was preaching to me that I got sucker punched again. So I went with Grace Baptist Church and watched these beautiful feet of these people that worked with kids. And as a country boy, when they talked about Romans 1.20, that God is obviously part of creation, that you cannot deny it, deny the fact that God exists, Romans 1.20. I said, okay. So there's a God. I'm all right with that. And then, then they pull the one. Then they pull the one. I, I wrote it down because all the wanted kids memorize this. It says, Romans 3.23, everybody's a sinner. Well, wait a minute. I thought that was okay at him like there was a God. But when they start preaching to me that I'm a sinner, I'm a seventh grader. I haven't done bad stuff. But I heard, I did not acknowledge, and it came off the hill from Hume Lake to find out my other grandfather died. I was a very unhappy cowboy. I remember specifically hearing about this loving God at Hume Lake, and while I was at Hume having fun, playing in the snow, he took my other grandpa. So, entered the phase of my life, which every one of the teenagers that are here tonight have heard, I went into the drug culture. I became a pothead. Why? I don't know. Rebellious? I grew up in the 70s. That's what we did. I became a pothead. I understood that there was a God. He said that I was a sinner, but that's all I wanted to hear. And I gave God the straight arm and said, I'm going to do it my own way. And the beautiful feet disappeared. 
and I went into that culture. So God sent Margaret Rhodes, God sent Paul Nelson, and then when I was 16 years old, my parents sat me down and said, the ranch is not going to come to your generation because my aunt had been suing my dad and it's been tied up in court for 15 years and the ranch was going to go away. I was trained to be a cowboy. What do you mean? My mom drove me around Santa Maria because I didn't want to go. They forced me off the ranch, but she drove me around Santa Maria and got me at a job in the cattle business, but just on the other end of the cattle business, I got a job at McDonald's. <laughs> now, for you people that have grown up in Santa Maria, it was really strange because they were opening up the second McDonald's restaurant in Santa Maria. My gosh! Fessler was going to have its own McDonald's. It was like, wow, we've become the big time here in Santa Maria. So I went to work at McDonald's, and God sent more beautiful feet attached to gorgeous legs, <laughs> sparkling blue eyes, a smile that would just soak me in. I know, I'm embarrassing her. And so, uh, can I have time? Let me tell a story. So anyway, I'm a, I'm a teenage, 16-year-old. I'm a jerk. I'm self-absorbed. I'm raised by atheists. I, the world revolves around me. And I have the opportunity to take a break and have lunch downstairs in the break room with this beautiful gal. Hey. <laughs> so, because I'm not a dummy, you ask questions like, are you dating anybody? Because you don't want to ask them out on a date if they're dating somebody. And she confided with me. She said, no, I'm not dating, but there's somebody that I like. <sighs> All right, well, scratch this one on the list. Next. That same day, this is wonderful. I have to stay out of her arm length here for you that have heard the story. So we're working drive-through. I'm this cowboy, self-absorbed teenager. We're working drive-through together. And who comes through drive-through? The guy she likes. He, she, he pulls up to the speaker and she leans forward. That's the guy. So comes to the drive-through window. And what does a self-absorbed 16-year-old jerk of a teenage boy do? Hey! This girl in here likes you. <laughs> I turned around and bam! She slapped me right across the kisser. I probably still have lost some teeth from that. <laughs> Why that's important is because those beautiful feet would have never dated someone shorter than she is. I had a pity date. I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> I have to remind you, I'm raised by atheists. I'm a self-absorbed teenager that did go to a one-on-one night and thought it was stupid. Go did go to Hume Lake, but thought I got stiffed by God because he took my other grandfather. And so I asked this girl to go out with me, and she says, 
yeah, but you got to go to church with me. And I swear to this day, an angel grabbed this lip and an angel grabbed this list and I said, sure, I would love to go to church with you. <laughs> Where does she take me? Grace Baptist Church. Like there's no other churches in town? Come on, God. He sent Margaret Rose. He sent Paul Nelson, the preacher man. But he brought out the big guns now. <laughs> Nothing affects a 16-year-old teenage boy like a beautiful, tall blonde. As I walked into what was at that point at the old campus, Grace Hall, the youth group looked at me and went, how did you get him here? <laughs> See, she's a military brat. She moved every two to three years. She had no clue that I had a reputation that I was a jerk, I was a pothead, I was self-absorbed, and that probably 80% of the youth group knew who I was. See, God had been placing these weirdo Christians around me unbeknownst to what I thought was going on. I just knew she's gorgeous. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I hear that. And the youth group did not shun me, did not preach to me, did not say, why are you here? Grace Baptist Church youth group loved on me. The leaders at that point loved on me. Nothing is as attractive and scary to somebody being raised by atheists of complete strange people loving you. And so, if I wanted to date this gal, I had to go to church. It wasn't until years later that I, as we had our own kids, no missionary dating. For you guys that don't know what that is, we'll explain it to you later because we made no missionary dating a rule when we started having kids. I had a friend that attempted suicide when I was in high school and nothing starts changing your thought processes of a self-absorbed teenage boy is when a friend of yours leaves a suicide note and tries to off himself unsuccessfully. You start asking questions about life, about death, and that pesky God thing comes back at you. And so my girlfriend at the time, if you haven't figured it out, it was my wife, gave me this book. And it was like, The Way. And I was like, really? I thought the Bible, see, when you grow up, how I grew up, that's the thing that gathers dust and never gets opened up. But I, I looked at it, I dated it January 19th, 1978 on here, and it started with questions about, well, is there a God? What about suicide? What is God's will for your life? What about drugs? What about? What about? And I started reading this like going, I got, I got sucked in. I started 
no, 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 no. No, God took away my grandfather. No, no, no. I was like, I'm being, okay, I'm being rooked again. And then Cindy says, there's this place where there's snow. <laughs> Four days with me in paradise. Hume Lake. I'm like going, don't, not again. <laughs> Margaret Rose, Paul Nelson, now the big guns. And if you're a 17-year teenage boy dating the most beautiful person you've ever seen in the world, what do you do? You go. You go. <laughs> I went to Hume Lake. But now, as we're going to Hume Lake, I'm remembering Romans 1.20. I'm remembering that God is an obvious kind of thing. And I'm thinking back, oh yeah, it was already too late. I was already on the bus. Started thinking about, oh yeah, I have to go to chapel twice in a day? Dang it. Well, you know, there's a trade-off. You know, four days in the snow with your girlfriend. You know, it's kind of the payment for that, right? But see, I started getting things in my mind as they were preaching to me and teaching to me that it didn't stop with Romans 3.23. It actually went to Romans 5.8. That even though I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Powerful stuff. And then you read in 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. All of a sudden you're like going, well, I had a friend commit suicide. That was pretty serious stuff. And when they had the altar call at Hume Lake, and I can't, I can't tell you it was Romans 8.1, but Romans 8.1 is that if you accept, there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Ah, I'm not going to go up on stage. I want to go out in the snow with Cindy. So I follow those beautiful feet. We grab inner tubes, and we're going down what was called Tiki Run at Hume Lake. What that was, they had tiki torches, and Roxanne Slotum's cracking up next to Lisa Winans because I know you're a Winans before you're a roadie. But anyway, you guys are cracking up because you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a snow run going down the mountain. And so the last run on inner tubes that day was at night. There was five of us hooked up. I was in the back. And so as we're going down the run and we're gaining momentum, I pop off and get off the track. And being the dummy I was, I held on for dear life of the inner tube straight into one of those giant sequoia, sequoia trees. Bam! Knocked myself out. I woke up. God took a two by four. Called it a giant sequoia tree to get my attention. And on the hill at Hume Lake, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because if my face isn't stronger than that tree that God made, I better find out what this God has in store for my life. And as I come cruising off the hill, bloodied 
and broken. My girlfriend's down at the bottom of the hill. I couldn't even tell her what just had happened. And I went to, I went to my cabin. Oh, man. I got to get this list right here. I went to the cabin, and they had those cabin times where you talk about feelings. <laughs> what did you get from the sermon today? Well, I'm bloodied out. So I told them I accepted Christ as my Savior. And this weirdo who someday would become a missionary, Larry Acosta, hugged me. Wow, I thought I was going to punch him. It's like, you don't do that. We're in a cabin. We're guys. Guys don't do that. Two other guys that were in that cabin that you need to know about was preacher Paul Nelson and a guy by the name of Jeff Lilly who later on would go and run Hume Lake for 25 years. I was amazed when I glanced back and leaned forward in my walk about the people that God surrounded me with with beautiful feet to share the gospel because it takes Beautiful feet to be sent to be able to preach the word even to a prideful, pothead, 17-year-old, self-absorbed teenager. Beautiful feet came after me. A number of years ago, I was given this list right here. I'll, I'll read it to you. This is the registration recap sheet for Hume Lake. February 17th through 20th, 1978. On this list is my future wife, Karen Lyon. Yeah, it's your sister, isn't it? Winans, Winans, Lisa Winans. Who's Lisa Rohde now? Isn't that weird how God ties that all together? There's people on here that I'm related to. My brother-in-law is on here. Ah, oh, preacher Paul Nelson. Just as a sidebar, I had one son. You know what I named my son? Paul. After who? Paul Nelson. Weird. But I have this list. It's pretty cool. And I tell the teenagers here, be careful of who you sit next to because you may be related to them very soon. Yeah, you're laughing, Deckers. I'm watching your boys. And they youngest, stay away from my granddaughters. Huh? But when I came off of the mountain from Hume Lake, they did something that I was not expecting. I got in the mail the next week the first chapter of John. And I read it. I went, how cool was that? Can I get another? And every week, they were sending me the scriptures. And it was really weird. I was all of a sudden just memorized by the word of God. Where did that come from? Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's an amazing kind of thing how that just enlightened me. And I soaked it in. 
So I proposed to that gal in the Easter week of our senior year, two months out of high school, she agreed to be Mrs. Georgie. Best decision ever. Best con job ever. <laughs> so we went away to college. We had two of our four kids during that time, one of them sitting right here. You guys know Rose. And we came back, and we were only gone for four years. We came back. Where do you think we would go? Where all the beautiful feet were. Right? Grace Baptist Church. So we came back to Grace Baptist Church, and immediately Cindy got started in Awana. Well, I got my college degree. I'm starting my business. Awana is woman's work. See why God laughed? <laughs> so I started Awana the next year because we were pregnant with child number three, and Cindy asked me, and I still use this ruse today, Randy, can you be a substitute just for six weeks? <laughs> that child turns 32 in September. So when I think about going and glancing backwards at the beautiful feet that God has shown to me, and I look forward, there's another part of the story that I don't want to skip, was that this church taught me how to do something that did not come natural, which was service. That third child, Crystal, was born with a ton of health issues. And she went into the hospital when she was like five or six weeks old, five weeks old. We were up to debt, college debt up to our, you know, we were, we were drowning in debt from college. We had all these kids. I'm starting my business. We're broker than broke. So Cindy is at the hospital taking care of Crystal, and I'm starting to work. And these weirdos at Grace Baptist Church arranged babysitting for Rose and Paul, and I would call a phone number, and they would say, oh, your kids are here. I had no idea. But they were bringing food, and they were babysitting my kids. And I got such an outpouring of love, but the one phone call that I got was from Roxanne Slocum. And at the point in time that I got that phone call from Roxanne Slocum, I didn't know Rocky very well. I just knew that she was Karen Lyon's sister, who I made fun of in school. She calls me up and says, okay, I'm on the phone. She goes, so can I babysit your kids? No. I don't even know where they're at, but it was all taken care of. Well, can I bring some food? No, I can't eat all the food you guys keep bringing me. It's like these Christians are just like overwhelming you. And she goes, well, what can I do? And I look, and okay, so we have three kids now. We're, we're broker than broke. Laundry hasn't been done like for forever. It was like a mountain of laundry. Could you do our laundry? See, if Cindy was home at that time, she would have said no. But I, Roxanne Slocum immediately jumped in their car, came over, and filled up. She like had probably had a dump truck because we had so much dirty laundry. And then she spent the next evening and day and brought it back freshly clean ready to go 
I want to have beautiful feet like that. Thirty-two years I've been doing this Awana gig. I'm wired for it. <laughs> the same amount of time I've been working with teenagers at this church. I'm wired for it. I know what my purpose is. I know what God's will for my life is. I know how God has brought beautiful feet into my life. I know what my calling is. And it's in this room, working with the youth, waiting for the next cocky 16-year-old teenage pothead walking through the door so I can love on them. And I can be the mirror of our Heavenly Father and the love that He has for us. I work in the Awana program because I'm so thirsty for the Scriptures that if I can help the youth put that in their brains and in their heart, that's what's going to help them in a society that they're growing up in and I'm fighting it, batting averages versus Bible memorization versus I got to get my kid to club soccer practice. We're battling a culture war that at the end of the day, I think it's a draw. But Jesus sends beautiful feet. So I wrap this talk up tonight with two questions. See, I know what my purpose is. I know how God has wired me. What are you doing? Now I'm looking around, and there's, there's a ton of folks doing a ton of things in this room. It's not enough. The word retirement does not show up in the scriptures. I've looked. <laughs> How beautiful are your feet to carry the gospel to a fallen world for people who desperately need it. I don't care if you're taking your final breath in a convalescent care facility. I don't care if you're in Starbucks line trying to say, come to church. What is your purpose? How beautiful are your feet? And with that, Mr. Harder, I'm done. <laughs>